Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Oh, thank you. This is for you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, raise your hands. Let's just thank God for more time. We love doing this around here. I like doing it. It just feels good when you do it. Don't harden your heart. Just let God do it. Let's just thank God. Just tell him, thank you, Lord, for being here. Thank you for what we're about to receive. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Well, what's love got to do with it? We've learned the past few weeks love has everything to do with it. Uh, God is love, right? We decided to do something a little bit different today. We wanted to talk to you. We wanted to have a very transparent discussion about relationships, marriage, and to our single people. We've actually, again, thank you for filling out the cards and sending in any questions you may have had. Um, we're going to try to do our very best to answer these questions that are in this basket. But I would like to start off by saying that the reason why uh, Don and I are up here is because, number one, we feel like we're qualified because we've been married for over 23 years, fixing to be 24 in March. And, and, and we're up here not because we're perfect. We're up here because we have been through enough things in our life. We feel like we can teach you, share with you some of our stories our experiences to help you know how and what to do for a strong marriage. And I'm going to start off by saying this. Last night, we got into an argument. <laughs> Someone walked to me, up to me after service and said, I just cannot see Pastor Don getting upset with you. I, I, don't, I don't like to make her upset. There's a sweet little, little dawn, and then there's a ferocious lion that comes out of her once in a while. I don't mess with her too much. I don't like to. But listen, if, if I'm going to talk to somebody about my problems, I want to know somebody who's been through problems and overcame their problems. If I'm going to go to marriage counseling, I want to go to somebody who's been married, not someone who just got newly, wear, newly married maybe a week ago and telling me all oh, what we have to do. And I've been in this for 20 years, 24 years, and whatever, 30 or 50. So I'm going to let her take the start, make it, and uh, start us off here this Sunday morning. Well, welcome, everyone. Thank you for coming today. Um, how many of you know or how many of you are, are married in here? If you're married, raise your hand. Just kind of want to see. Okay. How many of you know that are married that uh, marriage, strong, strong marriages just don't happen? Amen? Can we agree? Who's married? Can agree to that? Yeah. <laughs> strong marriages take work. And there's a lot of times that you're going to go through things as a married couple that you have to work through. And those things can make your marriage better or those things can break your marriage. Amen? That's right. And so I want to go ahead and start by uh, sharing a scripture with you, and then I'll hand it over to you, and maybe you can expound on it. Uh, but 
God created your, if you have a spouse in here, God created that person just for you. And that's ordained by God. It's a, marriage is a covenant by God, and it's a very special covenant. And uh, in Genesis 2, if you are following along, if not, I'm not sure if they have it up there. It's kind of a little bit lengthy, but uh, just bear with me. Um, I'll try to read not too slow or not too fast. Genesis 2, 18 through 24 says this, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, or like I like to say, woe man, because I think he looked at her and go, woe man, when he saw her. <laughs> yeah. For she was taken out of man, and that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Everyone say one flesh. One flesh. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Say one flesh again. Yeah, you know, we talked about this last week, I believe. We gave the illustration of how um, when people come together, they come together in three, in three-cord fold. Most of the time when, um, when marriages have problems, it's because they're connected in two areas. Body, soul, but not connected in spirit. We are made up of body, soul, and spirit. So what we learned last week was is that if you want a successful relationship, that you just can't connect physically, you just can't connect emotionally or just talking to each other, you have to have a different avenue of connection, which is spirit. When, when you were married or when you get married, because this is good information for single people, when you get married, uh, you're going to find someone that God has brought into your life. Now, you're going to find someone also that you may just find them attractive. You've got to fill an attraction for them, and, and then you have to feel like you're compatible in conversation or can relate to each other. Uh, she, was, she was a good friend to me. She was, we got along, and we knew how to joke around. We laughed a lot uh, of funny things that would happen to us at times. I remember the first time I heard her sneeze, I thought, I thought she coughed. I, I remember uh, little things she used to do that just I thought they were so funny, and she still does them from time to time, and I, never, I just don't tell her I recognize it still because of the little things that she does. I don't want her to know because I don't want her to stop doing them. So I, I kind of take delight in those things still. But the most important thing I've ever done to connect with my wife was coming to church, praying together, and worshiping. Especially if you're serving, because if you're like us and you come here and you're serving, it's like a job and you've almost overlooked the fact that you need to get fed yourself while you're feeding other people. So when you come to church together, 
the best thing you could ever do as a couple is raise your hands together. Hold hands every once in a while and just worship as a couple. Because it's in that area where your spirit connects to God's spirit that you'll start to connect to each other. Because remember, whoever finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And that favor flows through that covenant. That favor flows through the covenant. And that's where true love comes in. Before you had God in your life, you may have felt a love for them. But a lot of that was the eros of love. The, the, we learn from the different types of love already, right? The eros of love, the, the fleshly, sens uh, sensual part of our attraction. Now, I look at her, I, I, have, I feel a lot of eros. But there's something deeper about her that I have because we have worshipped God together. We have prayed together. God has saw us through problems together. We have connected in our faith together. Uh, when you have children, it... it you have a focal point for your prayers then as well. And then when you have problems together, you go to God in prayer. And when you see God answer those problems and those, answer those prayers, it makes you stronger together in spirit. Yes. Is that right? Yes. I love to see couples worship together. How many of you love to see couples worship together? It's just so inspiring. Um, to add to what he had to say, um, I spoke about it this morning. Um, God's put a God-sized void in each and every one of our hearts, and that void can only be filled by God. And a lot of times you hear couples or people about to get married, and when they find the one that they believe is their soulmate, and they say, you complete me, you finish me off. When marriage is really not a completion, but marriage is, as we read just now in the scripture, is a creation. It's a creation of you, you're, you're a couple unified in one flesh. But it's not the man that's going to complete me. My husband does so much for me. He loves me. I feel his comfort. I feel when he encourages me. I, I feel, you know, when he, what he does for me, I feel it. But it's not good enough. I need God. I need Jesus to complete me in my life. And when I feel complete with Jesus, when you feel whole in him, and the husband feels whole in him, it makes a difference in your entire marriage and your walk with God together. We weren't brought up in church together. When we got married, we didn't know God. And so we had to come to, to God. We came to God together. We were children when we, I mean, we were 16 and 17 when we got uh, together. So we've known each other a long time. We had to kind of grow into young adulthood together. And so when we got married, in our early 20s, real early 20s, like 20 and 21, uh, when we got saved together, it was a whole new walk for us. We had to yeah. learn how to pray together, which we yes. had never done before. And how many of you know that's hard when you've not raised in church and you don't know, like, you know, how to, you, you weren't taught that, how to pray together with your spouse yeah. and the importance of that. Yeah, especially when you're first trying to pray and you're, you're a brand new Christian and you keep feel like, you feel like you're stumbling all the time. And most of your prayers are, oh, Lord, forgive me today, God. Forgive. And you don't want to be around anybody during that time, right? You want to be by yourself. Okay, now all of you are acting like you've yeah. never been there before. <laughs> you don't want anyone to hear those prayers, right? Yeah. Those are kind of private. But, but really, what we're talking about is getting to a place of faith where you come together in thanksgiving, gratitude, worship and prayers 
that would coincide with what you know God's doing in your life. Like, like, thank you, God, for providing our needs. Thank you for watching over us together today. One of the most powerful things a family can do is pray at nighttime. And you may not pray together at night, but, you know, we don't, we don't catch it every single, every single night. We miss it sometimes, and we, we can go weeks sometimes without praying at night together. But the one moment we do come together and we have the routine of it, we broke the barrier. Now we're over all the embarrassment part. Because I'm going to tell you, she knows me very well. By nature, I'm a very shy person. I'm a very shy person. I do not like, I, I don't mind sitting in front of you right now and talking and teaching. I feel an anointing. I feel strength for it. But when it comes to your social parties and things that you invite us to, I get very quiet sometimes. Talk about God, we'll talk all day. I do not like big crowds. She mingles in with everyone. I'm like, I want to stay home and just read a book or watch a documentary or do something else. I'd rather be by myself. But because of her, I've overcome that barrier now. And because of us worshiping together, I've overcome a lot of obstacles in my life that, that really pertain to that one thing, being reclusive. It, that, that, that old mentality I used to have of wanting to be by myself was broken when I let her into my circle and was transparent in front of her. I can go to her and tell her I'm, I'm having a struggle with something. I'm struggling in my life. I need help. And she'll, she won't judge me. She'll just simply pray for me. And that means a lot. Yeah. Transparency is one of the keys to successful marriage and um, I don't want to say too much before we get into these, but I have a lot I want to say. <laughs> yeah, go but, ahead. I, you know, I wrote some things down that I feel like the Lord gave me, and um, some of them that I want to share. And we, some of these questions might be, you know, inside here as well. But um, like I said earlier, uh, marriage is work, and it doesn't just happen. Strong marriages takes work. And so I want to tell, share a few things with you that... Uh, that make a love last, keys to a successful marriage. And one of those, which he just said, was transparency. It's not that you don't trust the other person, but you've got to have some kind of boundaries and some kind Absolutely. of standard, standards in your marriage uh, where you don't you know, hide anything. You share everything. I mean, you're one flesh. You share everything together. Forgiveness, that's probably the number one thing because there are going to be times in your marriage you are going to have to forgive. There are going to be arguments. There are going to be disagreements. There's going to be things happen that you are going to have to forgive. And the Bible even tells us that we have to forgive 70 times 7, which is 490 times to one person. If you mess up that many times, I have to forgive you 400. You have to. I have to forgive him because that's the Bible. Hey, listen. I better. Listen. You better. I'm just repeating what she's saying. Um, I want to say something about that. The first thing she said was transparency, right, babe? Transparency. So that means that you can't have anything hidden in your life. Every password. We share a Facebook account. That's all I'm saying. When I get emails, she knows what emails I get. Even my kids know. I have them look over because I don't, I, I miss them lots of times. I got like four email accounts, for, one for the business, one for the church, one for, you know, it's just crazy in my life, so I need help. So my whole life is like life in a fishbowl with my family. Everyone knows everything daddy has going on. Everything knows everything, you know, what I'm doing. She knows where I'm at. We all have the, uh, 
find a friend so she'll know exactly what exactly where I'm at. I know where she's at. Not because we don't trust each other, but because we're there for each other and we're concerned about each other. Really, that's what it evolved into. Some people may do that because they don't trust. Other people do it because they care. So you have to evolve into that and not, not, not saying, I'm giving you all this information about me because I don't trust myself or I want you to trust me. I do it because you're my wife. I want you to have full access to my life. I may need you to help me whatever. That's what we do. And, and then the other thing is, what was the second thing you said? Uh, uh, forgiveness. Oh, forgiveness. I'm going to say this about that, and then we're going we're to move on. People don't fall out of love. They fall out of forgiveness. That's good. That's what it boils down to. People don't fall out of love. They fall out of forgiveness. And I want to say this before I forget. When you can't expect also to be married for 20-something years or 30 years and expect your spouse to treat you like she did when y'all were dating as teenagers. Sometimes now we get together in the car, we don't say a word sometimes. We just hold hands. And that is one of the best feelings in the world, knowing that we'll sit there and all of a sudden we'll say something is what she was thinking. We can pick up each other's thoughts. Sometimes we don't feel like talking, but we're closer than we ever have been. I sent her flowers the other day, but that was the first time I sent you flowers in how long? Years. Our excuse. (laughs) It's true. Let me explain. I worked at a flower shop when we first got together for years, and I told him when we got together, don't ever send me flowers. I have seen so many flowers. I have made flowers for Valentine's, prom, wedding, And I was like, all right. now I'm like... Bring them on. I want them now. <laughs> yeah. So that's why. Our, I don't know how long it's been since we have. I'm going to be, can I be just transparent with you all? Every, every year when it comes to Christmas time, we, we have it for years we went through without getting each other a Christmas present because the kids come first. And we just know, I know we love each other. We're so glad to have you are my Christmas and we love on each other. But I've never been offended. I've never gotten anything from her because we always knew the kids come first. You're, in other words, your life becomes a life of selflessness. I'm not telling you not to get your spouse a gift. But I am saying that you get to a place in your life where it's all about each other. It's just about being with you. And that's the happiest thing in my life. Jesus Christ and my wife. That's all that matters. And my children, too. Go ahead, babe. And that was one of my other things on here was selflessness. Marriage is not a 50-50 relationship. It's 100-100. It's not a 50-100. It's not a 25-75. If you want a successful marriage, it has to be 100% on both parts, coming together, giving your all, serving the other one. Because selfishness won't cause a marriage to last, but serving will. All right. And I'm not saying serving as in... Okay, go ahead. (laughs) No, sweetie, you're good. As in, you know... But, but because you give all of yourself, when you both do your part like that, your need, both your needs are going to be met. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sometimes the service isn't really doing, it's just letting them do. Yes. One more, and then we're going to get into the questions. Oh, one more? You want me to say one more? One okay. more, baby. Okay, I'm going to say two more, because there's two. <laughs> letting uh, them do what they want to do. 
And I have to because I'm in front of all of you. Yeah. <laughs> so the other one is friendship. And I put this on here because um, I think that your best friend should be your spouse. Yes. It's okay to have friends. It's okay to have other best friends too. But I think your spouse has got to come before any other friend of yours. Yes. And then the other one is laughter, because the Bible even talks about laughter is like medicine, and you've got to learn to laugh together. If you don't, that keeps your marriage strong. Laughter is the Yeah, last I want to add on those two real quick. Best friends. That's my best. Jesus is my, okay, well, look, I don't want to get religious on Jesus is my best friend. We all know that. Right? <laughs> but this is my best friend. Uh, there's no other woman in this church or any other place in the world, are you listening on the internet right now? I'm telling you, there's no other woman in my life that I will text just to get a laugh or connect emotionally outside of this right here. It can't happen. It won't happen. It won't happen. Uh, because she's, she's the queen. She's the princess. She's she come out of my rib. You understand what I'm saying? In the, in, the, in the eyes of God, she's part of me. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Um, anything else will bring... It, it would, it, there's no one else that can come into my life that can set my emotions straight and give me fulfill my needs. This should be your best friend. That should, she should be or he should be your best friend. And laugh together. I don't care what it is to laugh together, what you have to do to laugh together. You know, sometimes, you know what we do to laugh together? Sometimes we love doing this. We love going on YouTube. <laughs> and what do we watch? Oh, gosh. Puppies. I better say that before she said something else. Lots, Puppies. Lots <laughs> we love to watch Puppies. And dogs trying to get a bath from their owners. <laughs> we love watching dogs making a mess of the house and the face that they expression that they make cracks us up. <laughs> There's things that we can do. We laugh at movies. I love to hear her laugh. I love it when she just got one of them gut wrenching laughs where she can't breathe, and we're like, "Oh my god!" We love laughing at people. I love it. I don't care. Judge me all you want to. I love, I don't, I just love laughing at people, people that do crazy things sometimes. We love it at church when crazy things happen here. We're like, did you see what happened today? <laughs> I can't believe they said that to us. If people was meant to hurt us, we'll take it home and laugh about it because we got to laugh about these things. Let's go to the question, sweetheart. You all right with that? Okay. How do you forgive your exes that have hurt you so many times? I want to I say this. That's very, it's dangerous to look at your past relationships and associate them with your present one. You can't do that. We have it happen to us all the time. People get hurt at different churches or they, you know, have different experiences with pastors and they look at us because we have the title and immediately treat us with an arm's distance or treat us a certain way. And, and we realize that they've just been hurt. They need healing in their life to learn how to trust again. 
Not every guy or every woman is the same person as your past. And you cannot associate that with the present. If you have hurt in your life, here's the problem. If you're having trouble dealing with the past, here's, are you ready? It's because you have not forgiven. You must forgive all hurts of the past. You must forgive what that person did, no matter how bad it was, in order to set yourself, set yourself free. Because the person that's, that's with you right now is going through all the suffering, and they've not done one thing wrong. And it's totally unfair. Yeah. And it's tormenting. It's tormenting. Mm-hmm. And forgiveness, it frees you. Forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiveness is for you. Yes, yeah, right. That's very true. Forgiveness is more for you than anything else. Yes. More for you. You ready? You want to say something else about that? Okay. You're pretty. You're pretty. <laughs> Okay. Okay, let me read this. After the sermon on marriage, sorry about that. I was like, okay. It's just hard to read handwriting sometimes. After the sermon on marriage and love, uh, when Pastor Bobby said, it is better to marry than to burn with passion, is it selfish to decide to save yourself until marriage if your partner doesn't agree? Is it selfish? No. No, it's not, it's not selfish to save yourself. It, it, you're, you're being considerate towards your future spouse. And, and for all the single people here, can I tell you something? Even if you had made a mistake and you haven't saved yourself and you've crossed that, and that line's been crossed, there's nothing that the blood of Jesus can't cover. Yeah. The real issue is a soul issue and a, and a spirit issue. And and if the blood of Jesus comes into our life, it's like in his eyes, it never happens. So it should be the same way for everyone else. But you are not selfish by keeping yourself. And I'm going to tell you, let people make fun of you. First of all, it's none of their business. But let people make fun of you if they want to. Let them. Because you're doing something that's honorable in the eyes of God. Anytime... Marriage is the acts of marriage that God ordained for a covenant is exercised outside the covenant. It becomes sin and it separates you from God. Let me rephrase that again. When you're not married and joined by covenant with God and you're acting like you're married, the covenant with God and the eyes of God is where spirits are connected. But if you are living a life like that outside of marriage, you're not allowing the blessings, the full blessings of God to come in. Sometimes God will bless you to get you to change your heart. I mean, the scripture says the goodness of God leads us to what? Repentance. Repentance. That's why God is good to us, because he wants you to open your heart, change your mind, and start to live for him. But keeping yourself is nothing to be ashamed of. It's something to be admired. And trust me, there is somebody else out there keeping themselves waiting to meet you too. God will bring them into your life. Now, if you found somebody and you're like, I'm your husband or I'm your wife, and they're like, I don't think so, then you need to stop telling them that kind of stuff. 
when God has somebody for you, it is a confirmation on both ends. It's mutual. Stop hiding behind the bushes in their life saying, I'm here. Paparazzi, I mean, come on, come on, guys. You know, don't, don't, don't ruin the moment. Let God take care of this thing, and, and God has somebody for you. But don't press yourself on anybody. Women, if that's all he wants you for, ladies, if that's all he wants you for, and if you allow it, he's going to lose respect for you later on in life, and you'll never gain it back. Don't allow it. <clears throat> Tell him, if you like what you see, you better put a ring on it. That's all I'm saying. And gentlemen, why are you so scared to get married? Oh, boy, here it comes. I don't better put some water on me right now. <laughs> What's so fearful? I mean, my God. Are you afraid to go to a car dealership and take it out for a ride? If you're not, why would you be afraid to purchase the thing and make it official? Because there are more benefits that come with that. And you'll go a lot further because there's restrictions that are there. I'm totally getting off the subject, but okay, I'm off the subject. I think when you know that you know that you know, then why don't you just do it? You know, if you already know that's the one, just go ahead and do it. Why wait? <laughs> yeah, I mean. Get married. Not do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> Get married. <laughs> I didn't phrase that right. Yeah. It's all about what God thinks, not what other people think and what you think about it. It's what God says about it. Just do it. But, you know, let me add to that. Don't just do it either. You want to plan a little bit. You want to pray a little bit. Talk to your family. Don't go to Las Vegas. You know, and just do it. There's an order to all that stuff, but you'll know. I think what I meant to say, let me rephrase that, that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God and he's your counselor, you can ask God, and this knower that you have deep inside of you, which is the Holy Spirit, will, will confirm it to you, and you will know. Yes. So why wait? Just do it. Here's, a, here's it. a good question. How do you balance different work schedules? That's a very good one. Yes. Let me tell you what we do. Let me tell you how we've learned. I actually learned this from uh, my mom. My mom taught me this, told me that my dad used to say this, and I followed this, uh, his, his uh, advice. I've learned a long time ago, it's really not quantity of time more than it is quality. You can schedule quantity. But if you can be together for the short period of time that you do have, it's quality. Make the best with the little that you have. Am I right? Yes. Speaking on that, that's one of your love languages. And we've talked about it earlier. If If you're a married couple in here... Hopefully you've read the book, The Five Love Languages, or if you're planning on getting married, read that book. It is so, it's got so much valuable information to prepare you to understand your spouse better and what helps you know, them feel loved. And one of his is quality time. As long as he gets quality time, he feels fulfilled. He feels happy, even if we're busy going two completely different directions all week long. But we have that little bit of moment together where we can laugh, where we can enjoy each other's company. It's like that's enough for him. When she's on the go, I'm on the go, whatever, lots of times she'll tell you what I'll do. Well, she won't tell you. I'm going to just mention what I do. Um, I'll stop and I'll say, baby, just give me two minutes. 
or just give me five minutes. Let me just hold you just for, hold me just for five minutes. I, I say hold me. <laughs> now, the reason why I say that is because there's something about my wife, the love that she carries. If you've ever been genuinely hugged by her, you know what I'm talking about. There's a love that flows from her that, but, but me being her husband brings another, a deeper love for me that when I get hugged by her, I feel strength come back to me, my worries, my anxiety leaves, whatever it may be at that moment. So sometimes it's just even busy moments. I'll stop and say, just come and hug me just for one, two minutes, five minutes. I just want five minutes and I'll hold her too. Nothing said. We don't talk about nothing but it's there. So that's all you need. But that's taken us years to get to that place of, of just being able to say that. Just need a hug. And so scheduling, no matter how busy you are. You know, our philosophy has been we find busy people to get things done. We don't look for people that don't have too much time on their hands and don't get anything done. Busy people get things, things done. When you have a busy life and you... And, we look for people that get things done like that. We ask them to do something. Most of the time, it's those kind of people that actually take care of it. And they don't have more time than you do. They actually have less time than other people do. But they learn how to work it in their schedule because their life is like that. Our lives are like that. We are constantly going, constantly. I mean, you know, and even at nighttime, we don't stop working sometimes till sometimes 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 We've done it many times, lots of times in our house. Wake up, get going the next day. But we all know how to stop for a moment and say, hey, let's, let's just go. Let's go to a movie real quick. Or let's just go get something to eat. Or let's just stop right here. You manage your time. You say when. You say yes, and don't be afraid to say no to other people. I'm going to pull another one up. Okay. Is that okay? Yes. Whoa. Is it possible to love someone while in a relationship but yet choose to let him go because they chose to live worldly and seek things of the flesh? I want to please God and still love and pray for this person. And he found someone else. Do I let it go? If you're not married and you're talking about a relationship where you're not married and they have left and you still feel the tug there, but you know that it's, you feel deep in your spirit that you know that's not God's will for your life, but you still feel a tie, that's called a soul tie. I want you to say that with me, soul tie. Soul ties are things that happen whenever you've crossed a barrier. Uh, outside of marriage, you've crossed a barrier of marriage. Outside of marriage, and you are physically connected. You are connected in so many areas that when you're away from them, you just, and I'm talking about a single life, not a married life. When you have gone over and crossed over and acted like a married couple when you weren't married, your souls are now tied to them. And you have, to, you have to break that soul tie by the blood of Jesus. You have to completely release them and forgive them. And you have to, you have to constantly 
make God your new tie. When you tie to God and get connected to him in covenant, you'll break that other tie. But you have to let them go in that moment. If they were meant for you, the old saying, what you love, if you let it go, it becomes back it was meant to be. They will come back in the order that they were supposed to the first time in their life. If your full attention is on God, then their full attention should be the same thing on God as well. God will never, I want to I make this very clear, this, the God that I know, the God we serve, has never, ever sent someone into people that we've seen, loved ones, into another person's life. When they were living and serving God, he's never sent somebody into the life that didn't love God and, and, and simply were con- totally against God because he never wants to send you someone who's going to take you away from God. Even, even this, case in point, even, um, even Boaz. When Ruth met Boaz, Bo- Ruth was from another country, an, another culture, uh, another belief system. But before Ruth could get together with Boaz and Boaz with Ruth, it was Naomi that was in the part of the transitional process in her life. Naomi was the one who came in and said, and taught her how to live as a Jew, mm-hmm. taught her how to commit. And her commitment was this, your God shall be my God, your people, my people. You're going you're gonna to be everything you've got, I'm going to have. That's what validated Ruth. Where you live, I'll live. Where you die, I will die. That's what, it was the commitment to a lifestyle and to a God first that opened the door for her to be committed to Boaz. If you want to find the Boaz in your life, first get committed to God. It will come. It will come. Maybe you just need a little bit more patience. Oh, no, man, I know it. I I don't know. I mean, honestly, babe, the way we grew up, I thank God for our kids that they chose to hold themselves and and I'm so proud of Jesse. I mean, all the young people that are out there that we see that are part of Legacy, you, you've kept yourself, you hold yourself. I mean, I'm so proud of you. so proud of you. So proud. Never be ashamed of that. But your Boaz will come here. Just remember, Boaz has cousins, but look that up on YouTube. <laughs> so go ahead, babe. You want to add to that? Yeah, I, I just want to say one thing. I think our, and we, as a couple, this is our goal, that, that he loves Jesus more than me and that I love Jesus more than him. And I think when you have that and you put God first, then um, you're not going to bring each other down. You're going to lift each other up to the Lord. So yeah. you're not unequally yoked. When younger, I learned that how a young man treats his mom is the same way he would treat his wife. Oh. How do I instill this in my son respect and good communication with him uh, for him, for, yeah, for his wife and spouse? Um, you, um, yeah, you invite someone, when you invite someone, you're looking for somebody uh, in your life and they invite you to their house, take a close look at how they treat their parents. Honor your father and your mother, the Bible says, and there's a blessing that comes with that. It's in the scripture. Um, 
Even Proverbs says, son, listen to my commandments. Keep them, and it'll be a garner, uh, a brace of grace around your neck, and it'll hold you and keep you. Um, there's so many scriptures on people that dishonor their fathers and mothers that you saw that they it brought back negative repercussions. But I've always thought this as well. Yes, watch and see how they treat the moms and dads of of the other people, for those single people, watch how they treat their mom, but also watch how they act under pressure. You need to see how that person will respond under pressure. I'm talking to single people, now I'm going to tell you how as a mom or dad, you can raise your children to respect their spouses. Under pressure, when thing, they get angry, when they get upset, any time that you see their response under financial difficulties when they don't have money, when they, um, you need to see those good and bad times in their life to see how they respond to test them because it only grows. Like, like finances, I was told this, when you have money in your life, money doesn't change you. You may disagree with me, but let me validate something. Money, what money does is this, when you have blessings in your life and you get more finance in your life, money really magnifies what you really are. If you got $100,000 today and, and you had $100, if you were a jerk with $100, you'll be a mega, mega jerk with $100,000. If you're a giving person at $100 and a loving person at $100, you're going to be a super loving person, a super giving person at $100,000. Money does not change you. Money magnifies who you really are. So what I'm saying is, so does pressure. Good things bring the best and the good out of you, and bad things bring the good and bad out of you. Good and bad, best and good out of you. <laughs> so for the moms and dads that are wondering, how do I help them, respect them? Um, <clears throat> respect at every level is always earned by love. You train those children when they're little to respect your authority when they're little. I don't know if anybody agrees with me or not, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to put it to you in this kind of terms. Do not, do not overlook the power of the chancla. The old wooden chanclas. Hello. The boomerang type that didn't come back and hit every mark. You have to train them when they're little. If they get older, you're going to have to love all of that hate out of them. You're going to have to love all of that hate out of them. And in our house, we developed a culture. When my son got older, I called him dude sometimes. Hey, dude, what you doing, man? But when he was younger, I said, yes, sir, no, sir. I talked to him like I want him to talk to me. The first thing you have to do in, 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 in your home, you're going to have to find out how are you talking to your kids. How are you treating your kids? Are you treating your kids the same way that they're treating somebody? They're learning it from someplace. There have been times I've had to tell them, hey, you need to be quiet. This isn't your place. Or, or you know, come and put it down. I mean, I, I, there's a belt. There's belts. I don't wear a lot of belts, but they're in my closet. And I've learned to establish that respect. 
It's not fear more than it is respect. How do you talk to your kids and how do you raise them? It's how they were taught to everyone else. If you got kids in your life, children that always are saying, yes, sir, no, sir, no, ma'am, yes, sir, it's because you taught them that. Our kids, when they were little, we talked to them and we always, what do we always say to them when they ask a question? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We tell them, we would call them, sir. He was just, our kids were little. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. Hey, daddy. Yes, sir. They picked it up. They started talking to everybody else that way. That's how you do it. How you live and treat them is how they're going to treat you back. You've got to love them enough and respect them enough to live the life. Trust me. Trust me, it works. You ready for another one? Yeah. You read the next one. Okay. Can I throw something out there? With what you can we throw whatever you want about? out there. Okay, so um, this thought just came to me. Um, you're, you're on your best behavior when you're dating someone, right? Because you want to impress them so much. And so a lot of the things and the faults and the weaknesses, you're, a lot of times you're not going to see those things until you actually are married and live together. And that was what I was talking about earlier about working. Marriage is work. When you're in that infatuation stage, it's easy not to see a lot of those things. But when you live together day in and day out and, and your spouse is throwing their laundry on the floor instead of inside the laundry basket, which you're not used to. I'm not saying you do that. But I do it. Yeah, he does it. <laughs> he does it. But, you know, little things that are just really going to irritate you, things that you didn't know about them or, or just, or like you said, you, uh, how they respond to things, they're going to respond differently because now they're more comfortable with you and you've become more common to them. So you can kind of start treating people, I mean, each other differently than you did when you dated because you're past that honeymoon stage. And I said earlier, I felt like we honeymooned for like five years. We, we didn't ten have years. ten years, really, because we, we didn't even argue for the first ten years of our marriage, honestly. I know that sounds crazy, but we didn't. A lot of ours has been in the past 10 years. <laughs> right when we started pastoring. <laughs> right when we started pastoring, when we started feeling the Boy, overwhelming stress. No, just kidding. <laughs> overwhelming stress would come yeah. into our life. And a lot of the reasons why you have problems is because there's a stress factor in that person's yeah. life. Yeah. Always remember that. Don't bring the stress home. Release it before you get home. It's not their fault. And don't think because they are covered with stress that they don't love you. They love you. They're just caked in all of this problems and all these things that are going on. This is where prayer comes in. This is where love comes in. This is where space comes in. Uh, you got to be wise. This is where you have to learn their love language. L learn, I'm going to tell you, my love language is... It's quality time and acts of service. When somebody does something for me, I feel loved. You know, I feel the most loved whenever I come home to a clean house. I feel loved. When the, I mean, I, and, I, and I do the same thing. For me to love somebody, I'll clean. I'll build something. I'll do something. If I've ever come to you ever and offered you something for free or did, some, did something for you, want to do something, or my kids do something, it's because we love you. But learn that person's language. Right. So the next question is, how does a relationship work through when one person becomes depressed? 
And I actually have a little bit of scripture for that because I actually, we, I, talked, I, I talked about this last night with my husband, how amazing it is when one of us is down, it's like the other one's always up. When I'm down, he's up. When he's up, I'm down. It's crazy how that works, but it always works that way. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says that, that two are better than one. There's greater productivity when there's two because we can accomplish more than twice as much as one in that they have a good reward by their labor, it says. So that means there's greater results when there's two that come together. You get a better return for your labor. For if they fall, the one raises up his companion. That means it brings greater security there for you. If one falls, the other can help and two can stand back to back and conquer whatever it is the other one is going through. Amen? Yes, yes. But woe to, go ahead and clap. That's a, this is a good word. But woe to the one who falleth and there is not a second one to raise him up. Uh-huh. Also, if two lie down, they have the heat. But how hath one heat? He also notes that the addition of another team member in this scripture is an even greater benefit, and he talked about this earlier. Three are even better than one. And if the one strengthen himself, the two stand against him, and a threefold cord is not hastily broken. My my advice to to you, if your spouse is depressed, instead of don't ever criticize them or acknowledge the problem that you already know of, uh, your prayers will work and do so much more than you think. Your prayer life for them. Uh, how much have you prayed for them? And what are you doing to put a smile on their face? Um, you know, you have to think about that. You have to think about how many times have we complained? or What do we do? We complain about our spouse. Number one, please don't go out to the world and complain about your spouse. Go and talk to God about your spouse and let God help you with it. The other stuff ain't going to do any good. You may feel good for a moment, but there's still, the problem's still going to be there. Pray for your spouse because, honestly, if your spouse is in depression, it may be one or two things. If a, yeah, if a pill doesn't fix it, then it's a spiritual problem. If, a, if it's not a chemical imbalance, now God can heal. But most of the time we go through seasons in our life where we have to, we need help from the doctor. And thank God for doctors. But if a pill doesn't fix it, it's a spiritual problem and you have to allow them the space and give them a moment to get their thoughts together. But while they're given the space, pray for them. Pray for them, because it takes one thought to come into their mind for God to come into. Just one thought. Your prayers are hovering over their life. You're speaking it over. There's no way to penetrate there because there's no thought there. But once that thought comes, there it goes. That's how it happens. Prayer is your most powerful weapon with anything that you can face in life. Prayer is your most powerful weapon. Absolutely, man. I'm going to tell you, uh, and it's hard. You cannot criticize anyone you pray for also. It is very hard to criticize anybody you pray for. Try, it's hard. You pray too much for them. You've done so much for them. You're there for them. And what you say in private, you'll say publicly. Prayer is so key. One more, and, and then we're going to move on and we're done. 
We took longer. I know today was different. I know we slowed down a little bit. Um, but, you know, you may want the hoop and the holler and the fire. But this is, sometimes we have to talk and give you guys just some experience and just some real-life issues and let you know we're human just like you, but we all have to do the same thing in our marriage just like you have to do. No one's exempt from it. A strong marriage takes strong work. It takes time. It takes consideration. It takes... Um, it just takes a lot of love, a lot of forgiveness. Okay. I'm going to need help with one of these. Uh, it says, what are ways for you, for you, your BF slash GF slash spouse? Is that boyfriend? Is that boyfriend, girlfriend? Oh, okay. So what are ways for you? I thought best friend and then girlfriend. I don't know. Okay. So what are ways for your boyfriend, girlfriend slash spouse to grow your relationship closer to God? You mean, how do you draw them closer to God? You need to read it. <laughs> I, think, I think by leading by example. Yeah. I think by leading by example, because I don't think you can make someone, like the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. But I, I guarantee you one thing, take them to a salt lick. You understand what I mean by that, right? You all know what a salt lick is? Big cube of salt they put out in the pasture. They lick it so they can't, number one, get a little bit of murals, but they also arouses the thirst in them. You are the salt of the earth. You're the salt in your family. You're the one who brings that excitement. If you're not living the life, now, there's a big difference between a religious person and a relational person. If you're living for God and it's, it's religion, then you've got all these rules, but you have no relationship. Yeah. Well, that is so good. If you are living for God religiously, you have a lot of rules and no relationship. That's what religion is, is a bunch of rules without relationship. And I like rules. But are you really living the life? Because relationally, they said this of the disciples. They said this. We, we perceived that they were unlearned men in the book of Acts, but they also perceived that they had been with Jesus. Because they had an anointing in their life and no one had to tell anybody they were disciples of the Lord because they carried authority and they carried power or they carried the attributes that they gathered from the private time they had with him. If you want God in your family, God in your marriage, bring, let God be in your life. Let him light shine through you. You become the salt of the earth, the salt of your family, and they will become thirsty and hungry for God because that's how the spirit works. That's how it works. Amen. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Was this helpful by any means? Was this, did you enjoy any of this stuff? Raise your hand if you enjoyed some of this. Come here, sweetheart. Grab your spouse by the hand. If you're single, grab, grab Jesus' hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray love. We pray strength. God, we pray for every marriage, God, under our voice, that you would unite them with worship and praise and prayer. We know that every service is different, but God, today, today, let love be infused. Let every couple, God, whether they're both here or not, let every home be lit with the fire, lit with the love, lit with sincerity lit with strength. We pray, God, that there would be prayer in every home, 
that there would be prayer in every person's life that you dear God will fix the problems that need to be fixed you said give it to you God our problems belong to you the battle belongs to you whatever you need to do God you can change the hearts of all people you can do all things God in through our life and you also said we can do all things through you who strengthen us in Jesus name we thank you for that today God in your precious name everybody say amen our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live give and love like Jesus if our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.